NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio, for the way we live now. I'm Jeff Sheckman. Welcome back to our continuing coverage of the Napa Valley Film Festival. You know, one of the wonderful things about film festivals is that they're a world of ideas, a place where the boundaries of narrative storytelling are stretched, and the world of documentaries often provide a feast of ideas, often not part of mainstream discussion. Today we're going to look at the documentary The Gateway Bug. It's a different kind of feast, one that looks at the reality of food and food insecurity in the 21st century and an approach that many of us are unaware of. Joining me to talk about the film, I'm joined by its creator and director, Joanna Kelly, and its co-creator, director of photography and editor, Cameron Marshad. It is my pleasure to welcome Joanna and Cameron here to the program. Thanks so much for joining us, both of you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jeff. Great to have you here. Joanna, start with you. Tell us a little bit about uh, this film. Give us a, a real quick overview of, of what it's about and a little bit about how it came together, how this documentary came together. Absolutely. Um, the film's essentially about global food security. Uh, we were having a brunch with a friend of ours, Tyler Isaac, one of the main characters in our film, or I should say subject since it's a documentary. And he was he's a marine biologist who was doing some research at UCSB. And over we we're filmmakers. We never really thought much about, you know, where our food comes from. Like most Westerners, we were pretty content just to go to the restaurants and grocery stores and enjoy what we had readily accessible to us. And we were sitting having brunch one day and Tyler Isaac started telling us about the food drought set to hit humanity in the next fifty years. His being a marine biologist, his focus was on Earth's overfishing problems. Um, pretty terrifyingly, in just 55 years, humans have wiped out 90% of the ocean's top predators. And it's predicted that by 2048, all of the world's fisheries will have collapsed. This was really shocking to us. And his, part of his research was to investigate why this was happening and how we could uh, you know, avoid this sort of calamity. And his research brought him to... Um, insects you know basically we're fishing fish to feed fish to put in dog food and feed humans and our planet can't survive that way so he looked for alternatives to to the to those fish that we were overfishing and he discovered that insects were a far more resource efficient and protein and vitamin um, supplement for humans and animals to eat uh, which is fascinating and it really struck us that wow there's this kind of one strategy that could really tackle that and over the course of brunch he went on to describe how humans could also eat insects so we were like oh nah like those <laughs> people and um he was like well actually two billion people on earth already do it's just westerners that aren't and th according to the united nations 2013 report that's pretty much where we're headed um they say that animal agriculture so you know our traditional cattle and uh, livestock is responsible for 80 percent of fresh water use on earth and 91 percent of the amazon destruction 18 percent of greenhouse gas emissions so when we talk about climate change and global warming that's obviously one of the first places we need to look and the western diet is primarily responsible for that um the un said that by uh 2050 the population of on Earth would reach 9 billion and that food production would need to increase by 70% to feed all those people. And with our current agricultural practices, it's just not possible. So they suggest insects. And 
we were just astonished by all of this. And by the end of brunch, we were like, we have to make a documentary about mm. this. So coming from a kind of fiction filmmaking, which is what we both specialised in previously, we just started shooting. We shot an interview with him and, you know, sort of documented him in his lab and his small cricket farm and we started Google researching and it just exploded on from there, really. And Cameron, talk about how surprised you were to find out how much of the world was already looking at insects and, and bugs as a food source. Sure. I mean, it, I, it wasn't that surprising. I have watched a lot of uh, Andrew Zimmer and uh, Bizarre Food, so I've seen a lot of that in the media already. Uh, I just personally was, have never been exposed to edible insects uh, so it was more of a, an opportunity for myself to explore something new in the culinary realm. I'm really um, interested in, in food, and, and I cook a lot myself. So actually, before we even started shooting, I um, ordered a pound of frozen raw crickets from a, a producer here in the U.S., and, um, and I started cooking, them, cooking with them myself, just doing really basic dishes, just frying them up with garlic and throwing them into an omelet or something like that. Um, so while um, we know that almost 2 billion people on Earth eat them, again, it wasn't that surprising um, to see that it was part of a lot of people's daily diets. And Joanna, tell us about what, what I guess would be considered the yuck factor when you talk about this to a lot of Westerners. Oh, sure. I mean, I don't even know how much it needs talking about. I'd say nine out of 10 Westerners that you talk to about eating bugs turn their nose up at it. But I think what it's interesting to look at where that comes from. And really, in today's day and age in America and Australia and Britain, you know, we're all pretty disconnected from our food sources. I think if people had to go out and kill the animals they ate they'd be a lot less meat eaten i think if people had to grow the vegetables and fruit that they ate there'd be a lot less food waste and i think it's really more an issue of disconnection and in our really increasingly industrialized world the fact that people aren't aware of the resources that go into these foods that they're eating you know people will eat asparagus shipped from mexico and passion fruit shipped from australia and america and they'll eat billions of air miles worth of food in, in just a few hours with no, no thought of the consequences of that. But then they'll be concerned with making sure they switch their tap off while they're brushing their teeth. That's great. Switch the tap off. But let's be realistic about where the real problems are lying. And I think, you know, cognitive dissonance is pretty strong in Western culture that people don't want to be told things that would make them uncomfortable or have to change habits. And I think part of our film is saying, actually, you don't have to change your lifestyle, <clears throat> excuse me, that dramatically. It's really easy to cut out, you know, meat on Mondays, go meat-free Mondays, go foodways Fridays, and at, at the end of the week, see what food you have left in your fridge before calling for takeout or, or going out to a restaurant. All it takes is every little meal to be a bit more responsible and aware of what goes into it. You know, the yuck factor exists because we're not exposed to these foods. And in the 70s, we weren't exposed to raw fish as a meal. But sushi and Japanese food is now one of the most popular foods on the mm -hmm. Western plate. So, you know, I think it's about exposure and I think it's about education rather than actual taste. And there's an interesting article that The Guardian just put out uh, a few days ago about how uh, uh, wild insect 
uh, populations have dramatically declined and it's basically a climate catastrophe uh, waiting to happen. So while um, it's an interesting point of view for us to, to look at food, uh, insects as a food source uh, and, and actually harvesting them, it's, they're actually a vital uh, resource for the wild environment. And that's something that people don't consider either. Uh, so that also perhaps contributes to a lack of education and a lack of understanding around um yeah they are so critical to our ecosystem that if all the bees die all of humanity will die there's a few things that i think we need to really shift our focus on and insects is definitely one of them be it sure and it's and it's not just bees it's beetles and moths and all these other things that are Ants considered and pollinators flies, spiders so there there doesn't need to be a, a larger education around uh, the role of insects as um, a vital and just an understanding of how planet earth operates we this planet does not function without certain things and those things are facing extinction so it's it's really not that hard to understand that that means humanity is facing extinction. And while that would be really great for the planet Earth, I don't think humanity is that keen on that outcome. Right. Talk a little bit about the crickets as the the title gateway bug, Cameron. Sure. Uh, so uh, we were first introduced to crickets because that's what a lot of people were using as their main insect. And the reason these companies are using crickets as their main insect uh, what we found uh, through our research is... He means main insect for human consumption right. um, foods in as, America. Right, as the, as the main ingredient. Um, so the reason behind that is because there's, uh, over the last 60 years, there's, there's been a growing industrial cricket uh, production uh, in the U.S. And that has been for the reptile industries and the zoos and all that. So, so they've been live reared and live shipped and they're mostly for um, hobbyists and, and zoos and that kind of thing. So there's this established uh, industry. And also a lot of those producers have started to kind of shift their focus from that industry to human consumption, which basically just follows some USDA guidelines around uh, generally recognizes safe practices. So they're raised in different places and they're harvested differently, but essentially the the systems were set up there. And I think also people go to crickets because they really are a superfood. Um, lots of people who know about eating insects already know this, but they have twice the protein of beef, more calcium than milk, all nine essential amino acids and more iron than spinach. Realistically, that's that's a, a hole in one right there. And when you also when you don't focus on the U.S., you look at a place like Thailand, for example. There are around twenty thousand uh, small family-sized farms that are raising crickets um, for for personal and local consumption. So there's been, and as well as in Mexico and a few other countries that really uh, raise crickets and grasshoppers on a to a, a great extent. So there's been this established industry throughout the world as well. But and one of the reasons. Sorry. I was going to say. The reasons... <laughs> go ahead. Go. go ahead, Joanna. Uh, I was just going to say one of the reasons we refer to it as the gateway bug is because there are actually 2,000 edible insect species. So crickets are certainly not the be all and end all. And the film doesn't just focus on eating insects. We see that as one uh, tool in the toolkit, to quote Sunny Ramaswamy, the head of NIFA at the USDA, another subject in our film. And really, the film focuses on how we can get along in this world to keep humanity alive 
by keeping the planet alive. So we look at other things. Eating insects might be the gateway, but we need to address the other issues. We need to reduce our consumption of meat. We need to reduce our impact on the planet around us. That means less using less resources, using less water, making better use of the food we have. You know, most of the food people buy ends up in the rubbish bin. That doesn't make any sense. And we simply do not have the resources to continue on that train. And what role does the USDA play here in terms of, of what kind of approvals and or regulations would have to happen to allow this to, to be in greater acceptance? Well, it's interesting. It's it's work. It's happening on more of a local level. So, and and it, it's actually kind of a gray area there. The FDA and the USDA kind of um, play not. I'd say equal roles because USDA oversees a lot of farming practices, but the FDA oversees a lot of um, uh, product uh, sales and that kind of thing. So, a lot of these things that people are consuming and selling are. Product, consumer product goods, so like exo protein bars and chapool bars, but at the same time, people have set up farms. Uh, so the USDA, I can't really go into that. We go into it a little bit uh, in the film, but um, the USDA does play a, a regulatory role. And essentially, the general public just want to see that something is USDA approved to know that what they're eating is safe. You know, eating bugs because it's such a taboo thing is is kind of scary to a lot of people. But if they know that the government, you know, the U.S. government is saying this is okay, it's safe to eat and it's good for you, then I think they're more inclined to eat it. So it is important for that industry to really, you know, establish itself as a safe and healthy alternative to other protein resources. And and just to follow up on that, um, so that's right like the the farmers have basically fallen in line with existing uh farming practices that chicken farmers or beef farmers or even fish farmers have uh been aligned with over the last couple of years so as i mentioned before generally recognized as safe grass is something that um the usda puts out as as a guideline and that's what a lot of that's what all the cricket farmers in the U.S. are adhering to. And the other thing, finally, to point out is that it's not just the bugs themselves, it's products that are made from them. You talk about flour and chocolate, etc. Right. And that's, I think, where we get back to the yuck factor. That disconnect with where our food comes from also goes through to how the We've become really accustomed to processed foods. People don't tend to get food in its original form. In fact, we just um, posted on our Facebook page some images of where food comes from, like pineapple trees and, you know, nuts. And we got so many people responding to us like, wow, that's wild. I had no idea. And so we've come as a Western culture to really rely on a bunch of middlemen to take food as we know it from its original um, condition and create a processed, really easily digestible piece of food for us to eat. You know, these protein bars, people don't in the West, that they don't really want to eat a raw cricket. They're really turned off by eating it. And you can see that in the meat that we eat. You don't eat chicken's head. Chicken's feet are considered like a specialty in a Chinese restaurant, but I don't know any Westerners who buy chicken feet and bring them home to cook. You know, fish heads. There's a bunch of foods that a lot of other cultures consider just eating the whole animal. We don't really do that. And it's the same for vegetables and fruit. We don't 
see them growing in the wild. We're not harvesting or foraging ourselves. We go to a supermarket. These days, more often than not, that fruit and vegetable is in plastic for some reason, and we buy it and we consume it in ways that we feel comfortable with. So in order for this sort of new food, as it were, to take off in the West, these companies are creating palatable forms. So in the film, you can see that there's a company called Bugsalutely. They make a pasta using cricket flour. There is Chirps Chips. They make corn chips or tortilla chips that are made using cricket flour. As Cameron said, there's a couple of protein bars, Exo Protein, Chapul. There's just all sorts of foods, cookies, things that Americans are comfortable eating, but that now have this extra protein and vitamins that crickets provide. Joanna Kelly, Cameron Marshad, their film, The Gateway Bug, their documentary will be screening here at the Napa Valley Film Festival. Joanna, Cameron, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Our pleasure. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.